<laughs> hey now, what up though? It's Jay Scott Smith here, the host of the People's Podcast, JSC Radio. And you might be wondering why I call it the People's Podcast. Well, I've got a brand new reason for me to call it the People's Podcast because I'm putting the future of this show into your hands. This show is now on Patreon. And what Patreon is, it's going to help you the JSC Radio listener, the JSC Radio follower and fan contribute to the show in whatever way you see fit. That's right, looking for people to help keep this show moving. Whether you want to donate $1 an episode, hell, $1 a month for $5 per episode, I'll shout you out on this show and you'll even be able to vote on exclusive polls and exclusive half episodes. That's right, JSC exclusives. You'll get to hear those half episodes before anyone else. For $10 or more per episode, now it gets fun because you get to be a sponsor on this show. You got a business, you want me to talk about it, I want you to sponsor my show. For $10, hit me up, send me the script, I'm putting you over. Plus, you get all the other cool stuff that comes with it. For $25 an episode, same thing applies, except this time, you will become an official segment sponsor. Do you want a segment of this show sponsored by your business? Of course you do. That's why you want to hit me up on Patreon. For more information, on how to become a sponsor of JSC Radio, go to patreon.com slash JSC Radio. Patreon.com slash JSC Radio, and you can truly help this become the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio. What do I tell my daughter who's about to go to college? And I'm the father of a daughter as well. My daughter graduated from the University of North Carolina, Charlotte. We always would have conversations like this, the one thing I always told her was always be aware of your surroundings, but also realize that there are a lot of people out there that don't have your best interest at heart. Sad to say, but it's the truth. This is not an easy world to live in. At times, this is a very unsafe world to live in. And we can tell our daughters, make sure you're aware of your surroundings, but then something may happen and that we hope it doesn't happen. No matter if you're a mom or a dad, you hope that it doesn't happen. But you would think, you would think that people above would protect our people, protect our kids. But yet because of money, prestige, and power, it seems that a lot of that went the other way. And I guarantee you, that's not just a Michigan State thing lately. Check it out. This is JSC Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. Hey now, how's it going? My name is Jay Scott Smith, and this is the 64th episode of the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio. What's going on with y'all? Trying to trying to change the mood up around here at least a little bit this week, but man, it's getting really, really hard to do it. I want to thank each and every one of you who continues to support the show, of course. I want to thank all of you who check out the show every week on all your favorite podcast providers, whether it's on the original home, original home of the show. That would be SoundCloud.com slash JSC Radio. Also want to thank each and every one of you who has subscribed to the show on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. Just simply go to Apple Podcasts, a.k.a. iTunes, search JSC Radio, hit the subscribe button, and you don't have to do another damn thing after that. Same thing goes for Stitcher. Same thing goes for Google Play. Same thing goes for your favorite podcast provider, Audio Boom. Can't forget them. And yes, 
damn it, I am working on getting on Spotify to hopefully by the summer or so, we should have an idea of exactly what that situation is. Of course, want to thank all of you who check out The Mothership, jscottsmith.com. Also, you can follow me on Twitter at jscottsmith, that's J-A-Y-S-C-O, two T's, S-M-I-T-H. And of course, you can follow the show on JSC Radio on Twitter. And of course, there's also Instagram. Get at me on Instagram at jscottsmith. Well, how was your week? Mine was interesting. Everyone else's was interesting. You're at Michigan State University. It was really damn interesting. I knew when I was in here a week ago. Yeah, I know shit was all good just a week ago. But I was I was in here a week ago and things were apparently bubbling to the damn surface with the resignation of Luana Simon. I didn't, by the way, I never expected for this podcast to turn into the weekly update on MSU. And I don't plan on it being that way. And yes, I have to keep postponing. I'm going to probably put the retro review of the 98 Royal Rumble because I am still going to do that. The retro review is going to go on Patreon first and then I'll I'll set it loose on the world a little bit later on because it's just been so much happening. But I never planned on this being the weekly update of MSU. But when shit goes nuclear at your alma mater and all of a sudden the athletic director magically, quote, retires two hours before a major story drops from ESPN on the university, when your school's president resigns in the middle of you recording a damn show, when your board of trustees is basically falling on its sword and then making an equally ridiculous decision to bring in an interim president who might be a shittier individual than the one that just resigned, things happen. And that's not even factoring in that in the week that has passed since we did episode 63, which again, I want to thank each and every one of you for listening. In the week since episode 63 passed, we've had the number of victims that Larry Nasser victimized jump to 265. 265. The number was close to 200 last week when you factored in all the young ladies who gave those powerful victim statements and their families and everything else, but it's up to 265. And unfortunately, that has kind of taken a slight backseat of sorts to the situation surrounding MSU football and surprisingly MSU basketball. Now, what you heard there in the intro at the start of the show was Freddie Coleman from Freddie and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Fred's a good guy, friend of the show, If you recall, it was about six years ago, I appeared on his show to talk about the 2012 World Series. We'd rather not go into how that whole thing ended, but just know that Fred is a good friend of the show here. And midway through the day, Friday, really Friday evening, Friday afternoon, Friday evening, as everything was just basically going nuclear, as the outside the lines piece that not only talked about, obviously, the culture at MSU that helped really get people like Larry Nasser, help him keep oxygen and help him continue to abuse so many women and girls. It also turned a light on the two biggest sports on my school's campus, and that's football and basketball. And the Outside the Lines report, as many of you have seen and read by now, lays out what 
essentially is said to be as many as 16 instances of sexual assault committed by MSU football players that either went unreported or was squelched and simply shoved down the ladder and hidden. It also talks about some incidents with the MSU men's basketball team, particularly a gang rape. This just sounds so unseemly even saying that, but a gang rape that involved Adrian Payne and Keith Appling, former MSU basketball players, as well as former MSU basketball player Travis Walton, who, as a graduate assistant in 2010, punched a woman in a bar in East Lansing on Abbott Street. I know exactly what bar that was. It was an Irish pub that's not that far from the East Lansing City Hall and the East Lansing Police Department. Go figure. Well, because of one way or another, Walton's influence, magically that charge got busted down to littering. But later on in that same year, he was accused of sexually assaulting another woman. And all the while, Tom Izzo kept him on his staff. And it's led to questions of what the hell kind of ship are they running in both MSU football and MSU basketball. Now, to D'Antonio's defense of sorts, he, right before MSU's game against Wisconsin last Friday, got in front of a microphone to categorically deny any and all things that were in the MSU Outside the Lines report. I have received many questions and inquiries about today's reports, their latest reports. I'm here to, tonight to say that any accusations of my handling of any complaints of sexual assault individually are completely false. Every incident reported in that article was documented by either police or the Michigan State Title IX office. I've always worked with the proper authorities when dealing with the cases of sexual assault. We have always had high standards in this program and that will never change. The values that we teach to everyone in this program will be enforced. You know, when I found out about a sexual assault, I reported them immediately. That was as of last year's. So I don't want to walk out of here, and not, but I can't answer 150 questions. I want to thank you, for you guys for your time. I thought it was important to come and address this and, um, and look people in the eye. Thank you for your time. However, since then, one person who hasn't exactly categorically just loudly denied everything, at least to the point where he's made any, any kind of convincing manner, is Tom Izzo. Tom Izzo, to understand, is God status at MSU. As I mentioned during the interview I did on ESPN. And I don't think people really get that Tom is about the straightest of straight shooters. He, there's nothing he hesitates to talk about. There's nothing that's really out of bounds with him. He's the kind of guy who'll give you a quote. He'll give you an interview. He'll talk to you. He's unbearably friendly, a genuinely good salt-of-the-earth type of guy. So to, to hear this type of hemming and hawing from him, like what occurred after the Maryland game on Sunday, for example, or MSU makes this sterling comeback, comes back, beats Maryland in Maryland, and he's doing his post-game interview, and it's the first chance, well, the second chance, but the first time on the road since this whole thing really hit the fan that he's had a chance to speak. And Izzo, who normally will answer you, he'll come at you, he was in full backpedal mode. And mind you, this was after a very emotional game. Why was he allowed to continue with the coaching staff and be with the team while charges were pending? Well, as I said before, you know, we'll cooperate with any investigation, and I always have. Um, 
we're going to be forward we'll do it moving forward and that's what all I'm going to say on it that we did cooperate with everything we want to give you every opportunity to answer questions there's a lot of questions a big one is why did Travis leave the program in 2010 I, I, I don't know what you mean he graduated he was with your staff throughout 2010 an allegation came forward later that year that from a, from a woman and her family to the athletic department that he and two of your players raped her. He then left the program later that year in 2010. Why? To be honest with you, I don't remember why he left. He went to Europe to play. And and uh, as you know, I'll, I'll, I'll still say I'll cooperate with any investigation that's made. Uh, I did it then, I did it before. And uh, I'm not going to answer any questions that aren't pertaining to either basketball or things that I am not going to talk about right now. Let me ask you this question then. Looking back at the way sexual assault allegations have been handled by your basketball program, do you have any regrets? I've cooperated every investigation, every one. And I will continue to cooperate with every investigation, everyone. Now, that's what was unsettling to me about this, because Tom generally will shoot straight with you. He'll tell you exactly what he feels. He'll be he'll we won't equivocate on anything. He'll just come straight at you and say, no, this didn't happen. But I can't go any something like that. But he seems very reticent and hesitant to say anything. Almost like there's a fear that if he says the wrong thing, he's going to get popped and he's going to get caught. And yeah, obviously I worry the same thing for D'Antonio. Because D'Antonio very defiantly comes out and says this. But here's the thing that bothers me. Aside from the obvious that it's certainly very questionable. That right now a lot of these things that they're saying ain't passing the smell test. But unfortunately... For most of my fellow Spartans, we're falling into the same trap that happens every single time. It's a cycle that happens every single time some high-profile coach or program gets caught up in some bullshit thanks to whatever reason that goes on. And too often, we get the same crap all the time, and that crap is we attack the messenger. I've heard a little bit too often this week, just a touch too often, many of my fellow Spartans, whether we're Spartan alums or the random few morons who claim to be Spartans, but God knows what the hell you really are, basically going out of their way to claim that this is one gigantic hit piece against the MSU program and, oh, it's terrible journalism and, oh, they're they're bringing up things that happened years ago. Well, yeah. That's what a long-form investigative piece does. Do you really think that they just pulled this shit out of their ass like a week ago? This ESPN piece was written by a woman who was a part of the group that helped expose Baylor. This, yes, it pulled from things that happened before. Oh, and they're pointing out that, well, these players weren't even charged. Why are we even bringing this up? 
it's interesting to me that in a week where so many people seem so outraged that all these years for nearly a quarter century, Larry Nasser was able to just keep getting away with this and getting away with this. How come no one caught him before? How come he wasn't charged prior to this? They will say that in one sentence. And then in the next sentence, point out that, oh, well, that the, the prosecutor never brought charges against them. Why are we even talking about this? They weren't charged. What's the big deal? They weren't charged, so therefore they're innocent. It's almost as if you're willing to use the, oh my God, why weren't they charged when it's not a sport, you, when it's a sport you don't give a shit about like gymnastics. But all of a sudden it's due process and what about innocent until proven guilty? Yes, because we all use that same statute for Larry Nasser and Jerry Sandusky, despite the fact that there was proof up the ass that this was going on. But you know, let's not read the story because that's real funny. A lot of people are criticizing this piece and saying, oh, MSU, uh, the MSU didn't do anything wrong. ESPN is just making all this up. It's a hit piece. Do you even know what the hell a hit piece is? Half you people aren't even actual journalists. What bothers me are the people who either have studied journalism before or are in media and understand how this works. Let me explain this to you, how this works. I used to work for a newspaper in Lansing, Michigan. A newspaper company, I should say. I worked in its Lansing office. We would have incidents that would come out every day of people getting into fights, of people stealing, all this other shit. And anytime we really needed to get it, we would go to the East Lansing Police Department or the Lansing the Police Department or whatever one of the little outlets and hamlets around the Lansing area. And we'd normally be able to get police reports and any other sort of info. I covered a high-profile rape case out there a few years ago where this gentleman was stalking girls on MSU's campus and was attacking them, sexually assaulting them. One case, he broke into a girl's home. Another case, he stalked a girl who was leaving Meyer, which for those of you who aren't from Michigan, Meyer is essentially the Walmart of the Midwest. Yes, I know Walmart is in the Midwest, but we got our own shit. Leave us alone. And he follows her from Meyer into the courtyard at her apartment and brutally attacks her in her courtyard. I was able to put in a FOIA request. That's for the Freedom of Information Act. But again, then again, most of you should know what this is since all of you assholes can tell us how to do our jobs and you just clearly know what we're doing better than we do. Because you're quick to say what kind of a journalist we are, yet you can barely spell the word. So I would put in these requests for Freedom of Information Act. Normally, it wouldn't have to go that far. But you could put that request in, and usually within a couple days to a week, in most cases, you're going to get a response, and normally you're going to get the documents you need. And I mean everything, like police reports and any sort of extra evidence files. Anything that you need, you can get. When I did the feature on the, on the uh, serial rapist out there, I was able to get everything. And I was able to piece that whole story together just from the reports that I got and the info that I was able to glean from everything else around there. But when something happens with MSU athletics, primarily the football and basketball team, suddenly it's very difficult to get information about it. Police report, evidence file, any sort of name into guys who might have done something wrong. And I can tell you of a few instances where, especially with MSU football players, and it didn't always have to be sexual assault. It could be something as simple as a DUI or them getting into a fight with somebody at a bar. 
You know how hard it is to get the East Lansing police to suddenly give up that information? Where normally, if somebody commits a crime, within hours it's on their website and you can cross-reference their name, look the individual up, and find that file. But when it was a football player, magically that file never showed up online. And that police report never showed up in their database. Or if it did, they made it like hell for you to get to it. And in the process of you trying to get to it, you would end up having to eventually go to that good old FOIA request. Or if you say live in New Jersey, they call it an Oprah law. No, not that Oprah, but that's the, you know, that's the acronym. In New Jersey, it's an Oprah request. In some other places, it could be something else, but it all rotates back to that Freedom of Information Act. And we would have to file one of those requests and often they would not get answered or they would be denied. Or when we would get something, you would get back a report that was heavily redacted with blocks of words completely censored out. You know, similar to the ones that they showed you in the outside the lines piece on ESPN. Now, I'm not going to sit here and become this journalism instructor. And I'm not going to sit here and be this guy who'll just lambaste you over and over and over again. But I am going to make this very clear. And hopefully I don't have to say this too many more times. Most of you people do not know shit from apple butter about what we do as journalists. And if you had to do what we did in a given day, you'd quit within two hours. Because having to chase down information from a major university about one of their two high-profile, high-revenue sports, if one of their athletes as much as pees in public, we will not get that police report unless we have to do some really, really deep searching, call in a few favors, and get a few motherfuckers to try to talk to us and help us through the back door. Plus, there's that minor detail that the former Ingham County prosecutor kind of went to jail for sexual assault, for being a part of a human trafficking ring. Now, he's out of jail now because of good behavior, and I can guarantee because of his name, he got over and got out a lot sooner than most people normally would have for doing that sort of thing. Go look up Stuart Dunnings. It'll be worth your while. Dunnings was the prosecutor at the time of the incident with Appling and Adrian Payne. When that young woman went to them, his assistant DA, who now, ironically, works for Michigan State University, basically talked her out of pressing charges. That's the sort of thing that happens. So, zipper heads, when you say, well, they weren't charged, so they must be innocent. And then, of course, in the next breath, how did Larry Nasser get away with this all these years? Why was he never charged? Now you see why. And now you see why I'm not in the big hurry to simply just do what you do, you lazy motherfuckers, and just simply paint a journalistic report that you don't like as some sort of hit piece or fake news or some sort of biased attempt. I've seen biased, biased in favor of who? Biased in favor of what? Uh, look, I can accuse sports media of being biased in certain aspects. Do I think the Detroit do I think the Detroit papers, when it comes to coverage of say the University of Michigan versus Michigan State University, can be a little inequitable? You're damn right. But when it comes to something like this, they're equal opportunity, and they're going to point this shit out. So stop with that. 
This is not a hit piece. There's a reason why those of us who've worked in the city of Lansing or dealing with anything around Michigan State University, when we saw that outside the lines piece, a lot of that started to kind of float back in. Yes, there are some MSU sympathizing reporters out there basically saying, hey, look, that the while the process of it was or what they wrote was accurate, there's little things. And yes, you can certainly nitpick about certain certain things included in the report. You can certainly ask questions about the methodology that they used to write the report over whether some of the information was common knowledge and some of it wasn't. But guess what? You have to use common knowledge shit in news stories because that also helps kind of build the reason why you're writing the piece. I get questioning that. That's fine. That makes sense. That comes from a logical standpoint. But if you're one of these people who just simply wants to come here and shit on journalists and say, oh, they're a bunch of hack journalists and they're biased, I'm going to tell you to go sit and spin. I'm going to tell you to shut your ass up because you don't know what you're talking about. You don't understand what we're doing here. If this were just some, quote, hit piece, if this was something that was just totally made up, because that seems to be the idea, that a lot of you think there's, this is just some concerted effort to take MSU down, and it's all made up, and ESPN's going to get sued out of the blah, 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 blah. I ain't heard word one about a lawsuit yet, and that, that piece has been out for a week. That thing is running in heavy rotation on ESPN. You can go to their website and watch the whole damn thing on Outside the Lines. They may have tweaked the headline. They didn't tweak the content. You haven't heard word one about a lawsuit come out of MSU yet. If this is just some hit piece, if this is just some made-up BS, why the hell did Mark Hollis get out while the getting was good? Why did he quit three hours before this thing dropped? He can tell you he retired all he wanted to. Why did he abandon ship three hours before this thing went to air? Why? If it's just some made-up hit piece, if it's a bunch of bullshit and old information that they took care of, why what, Why is it all of a sudden he was playing the I just need to spend more time with my family routine? Come on, dog. They worked on this thing for three years. This wasn't something they threw together in a weekend. And yes, it did happen to fall right in line with Larry Nasser. But did you ever stop to think that the reason they broke that thing out the week that nearly 200 women got up in front of a court, got up in front of a judge in a courtroom and talked about the horrifying incidents of them being molested and assaulted by Larry Nasser? Did you ever stop to think that perhaps you're pulling out a report like this that deals with the culture at MSU. This isn't just simply about basketball or football or gymnastics or baseball or track and field or cross country or tennis or whatever the hell. Did you ever stop to think that the reason it came out last week was because Larry Nasser was maybe the most extreme case of this culture, this culture of foolishness that's been happening at my school? And guess what? MSU ain't the only place it's happening. It's just that right now the spotlight's on us. You never know where it's going to be next. You don't know if it's going to be down in Columbus at Ohio State. You don't know if it's going to be out at USC. You don't know if it's going to be at the University of Washington. You don't know if it's going to be in Ann Arbor at the University of Michigan. And I'm going to get this parting shot off here before we head into the second half of this show. If you see this incident, this series of issues at Michigan State University is some reason to take some lame, lazy, moronic U of M versus MSU cheap shot, I will personally walk over and tell you to go to hell. 
This ain't got nothing to do with Spartans versus Wolverines. Sorry to break this to you. This ain't got a damn thing to do with MSU versus Michigan. It doesn't. And I know a lot of you simpletons, many of you who didn't go to the school, always got something to say. Because I've seen this happening over and over again the last couple of weeks. Some jagoff brings up MSU versus Michigan, and oh, I would expect that from a Sparty. For God's sake, Larry Nasser went to the University of Michigan. Do you really think that just magically he got to MSU and decided to become a molesting piece of garbage? Really? And do you really need us digging into those closets, those maize and blue closets in Ann Arbor? That's not what this is about. This is about a culture that infects every single major college campus. And yes, I'm talking about yours, no matter where you went. I can sit here and I can pull out this audio all I want to when I want to razz you of him. Oh, he has trouble with the snap. I get that. It's fun. That's where we're having fun. Funny ha-ha. When it gets to football season, ooh. We're basketball season, what we're in right now. I get that. I like to have fun. I'll needle you when it comes to this. This ain't no damn game, man. I feel bad for Tom Izzo. I feel bad for Mark D'Antonio. If, and I stress a big-ass if, if they didn't do any of this, if they didn't sit idly by and let women get raped or beaten up, But as I said on ESPN, and as you'll hear as we take this thing to break with Doc Illingsworth underneath me, y'all better hope you're clean. You better hope you're innocent. Because I don't want this to become Penn State 2.0. Albeit it's certainly starting to look like it with Nasser. I don't want this to be Baylor 2.0. Albeit it kind of looks like it just a little bit with MSU football and MSU basketball. But something's got to be done here. And I, again, will support the hell out of the journalistic efforts that people make to get these stories exposed. And yes, stories you don't like, they're going to be there. Just because you don't like them doesn't make it not true. Just because you don't like them doesn't mean that they can't be heard. And also, learn to read. I'm amazed how many of you people got all this shit to say about these stories, but you haven't actually read them. You just look at the headline and just go and start screaming about about hack journalists and bias and and hit pieces and all the other silly shit. And some of you and some of y'all know better. Some of you work in this industry. Some of you have actually covered stories and been on and been and been a part of big time stories and, and covered games. Some of y'all know better. You want to talk about bias? Some of your bias is showing that you magically think, oh no, it could never be us. But you were the first ones pilot on Sandusky. Albeit Sandusky, you know, was a scumbag. You were the first ones piling on Nasser Because Nasser, for better or worse, was assaulting girls who played a sport that you just don't give a damn about. I have learned, if nothing else, to be able to separate the fact that I am a dyed-in-the-wool, green-and-white-wearing Spartan from the fact that I'm also a human being and a journalist first. And I learned I don't trust anybody and I take everybody to a certain set of their word, but I don't put anything past anyone else. And that's what this whole crazy shit has taught us in the better part of the last few weeks. You don't simply take things at face value because what you see out front is about 10% of what's really going on. And if you had any idea what was happening behind the scenes at your school, whether it's MSU, OSU, Michigan, Purdue, 
Texas, Oklahoma, Nebraska, whatever it is, if you knew 10% of what was happening there, it would blow your damn mind. My name is J. Scott Smith. Coming up after this, try to change the mood up a little bit. Going to talk a little bit about a rather desperate move the Detroit Pistons made, not to really win any games, but to simply get something that they haven't had in probably a decade, and that's relevance. Plus, have a special have a special surprise for you guys at the end of this show from a man, Rufio Jones, and of course, Young Illingsworth. My name is Jay Scott Smith, and this is the 64th episode, episode 64 of the People's Podcast, and this is JSC Radio, and we'll be back after this. It doesn't make a difference how many Final Fours you have, how many playoff appearances, how many conference titles you have. If they oversaw their teams and their programs, because they are the program more than anything else, if they oversaw this, they got to go. Uh, do I think they'll go? I, I don't know, because we don't know all the, all the true details. But this just reeks of, I keep bringing it up, it reeks of Penn State, it reeks of Baylor. It's, that's the type of thing where people had to get swept out. And I would hate to see Tom Izzo, who's given so many years to MSU. He was an assistant to the late Judd Heathcote. And D'Antonio, who essentially has brought MSU football back to a position where it hadn't been since the 1960s. But if that's what they were a part of, I have no, I, I have no issue saying they should go. Now, whether the university would let them go or they'll retire, quote unquote, or resign like everyone else seems to be doing, who knows? But I, nobody bigger than that university. It shouldn't be that way. But nobody's bigger than that university. And if it comes down to having to save university's reputation versus them, I'd say let them go. As painful as that would be. Check it out. This is JSC Radio. People are always looking to invest in a good opportunity. So what if you could invest in the future of kids, like a stock? Not the kind of stock that's about making money, but a stock for social change called Better Futures. With your investment, it helps students like me go to college. My name is Charles, and I'm your dividend. Invest in Better Futures with UNCF. Visit uncf.org slash invest. A mind is a terrible thing to waste, but a wonderful thing to invest in. Brought to you by UNCF and the Ad Council. Hey now, it's Jay Scott Smith here, the host of JSC Radio, which you can now hear on Stitcher Radio. That's right, Stitcher is radio on demand. Now you can download the free app today and it's available on iOS, Android, as well as Nook and Kendall Fire. You can take JSC Radio anywhere. The app is free, you can listen anytime, anywhere. Now if you're wondering what Stitcher is, Stitcher is an award-winning free app that lets you listen to all of your favorite shows, plus discover 40,000 news, entertainment, and sports shows such as JSC Radio. You can create custom playlists. You can rate and review this show and others on Stitcher. Please drop a friendly review on the show. Not only is Stitcher available on all smartphones and tablets, it's also in over 4 million car dashboards. It's on demand and on the go. No downloading, no syncing, no wasted memory on any of your devices. You can stream your favorite podcasts, like JSC Radio, for free on Stitcher. You don't have the Stitcher app? Simple. Go to Stitcher.com today or check out the App Store on whichever device you use. Stitcher Radio. Be sure to check it this out. This is JSC Radio. When obviously LA gives you the extension in the offseason, I mean, were you shocked to be traded when you found out you were traded? And if so, how long does it kind of take you to get over that sort of thing or get used to the fact that you leave LA and you come to Detroit? 
Um, yeah, shocked is, is a good way to put it. I didn't, I didn't, uh, didn't know anything. Um, I pretty much found out when everybody else found out. So, um, yeah, it just kind of took a second to, to realize, okay, like everything's changing, you know? Um, but, you know, immediately once you, once you get over that and you, you know, I start, I got a chance to talk to, um, Stan, was it Monday night? Is that the day that, I don't know what day it is. Um, I got a chance to talk to him, and, and you know, once you once you start talking basketball, then your mind kind of switches into that mode. And now, you know, I told I went on Synergy that night and, and looked at some clips and, and kind of familiarized myself with with this team a little bit better. And um, so now it's just it's now it's just I want to hit the ground running and, and and be a part of this team and be a part of this franchise. This is episode 64 of the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio. Welcome back. Jay Scott Smith here. Want to once again thank my man Doc Gillingsworth, along with Awesome Jones, for dropping the dope beats that you hear on this show every week. And coming up at the end of this show, the end of this segment, you're going to get an exclusive track from a man, Rufio Jones, that was produced by the good doctor himself, the good brother, Dr. Illingsworth. You can go to Doc Illingsworth and check him out on illingsworth.bandcamp.com com to check out all his music and you can also check out my man awesome jones on soundcloud at soundcloud.com slash awesome jones awesome spelled o-s-s-i-m-j-o-n-e-s remember to hit up the mothership the website jscottsmith.com big up to all of you been checking out the site this week and a lot of spartans have been hitting me up this has been a wild wild week and needless to say this has also been a pretty wild week in the NBA. If you follow me on Twitter, that's, of course, at J. Scott Smith, or even on Facebook at Real J. Scott Smith Original. You'll know that I had a little something to say about the Pistons trading Blake Griffin. Now, it's been a second since I've talked about the Stones, the the, the Mad Men of the Motor City on this show. Because remember, for a hot second, I was actually kind of talking about them because they got off to that pretty nice start. To the season at one point they were I think 13 14 and 6 they were at the top of the eastern conference and things seemed to be going well and then the pistons remembered they were the pistons and the bottom fell out along the way reggie jackson got hurt and things just kind of collapsed so up until the other night when they beat a cleveland team that had lost kevin love to a hand injury and seemed seemingly lost their inspiration to even keep going at that point they had lost eight straight games. They'd fallen three games under 500. They'd fallen all the way out of the top eight in the East. They basically cratered, and the Pistons went Pistons again. It was bad enough that they weren't selling out that building when they were in first place. Now that they're in ninth place, they're ninth in the East, and they're at least two games behind the Philadelphia 76ers for that eighth and final playoff spot in the Eastern Conference. They needed to do something. Because here's the thing, the funny thing about these Pistons, and trust me, this entire segment is going to be kind of a twofold thing because there's a previous point that I made in a few earlier episodes of this podcast that I'm going to bring this back to, but just, just stay with me here. So Pistons have been thirsty. I mean thirsty. Ladies, you know what thirsty is, right? Just check your DMs on a given day. You got some thirsty MFers showing up in there, doing their damnedest to try to get your attention, try to get you to pay attention to them, try to get them, trying to get you to give up that number, to go out with them, just to talk to them, just to be seen with them. These guys who are just mad thirsty, trying to get any bit of attention they can get. That's what the Pistons are. The Pistons are that thirsty bastard in your DMs. 
And the problem is the Pistons have been thirsty, hungry, starving, parched for the better part of a decade. This May will mark 10 years since the Pistons last won a playoff game. Let me say this again. I don't mean since they won a playoff series. The Pistons have not won a playoff game. They have not won a playoff game since game four of the 2008 Eastern Conference Finals. Ten years. Mind you, they've only made the playoffs twice since then. They made the playoffs the following year, barely getting in as an eighth seed, getting swept by Cleveland. And then a couple years back, they just barely got in as an eighth seed, and you guessed it, got swept by Cleveland. Infamously, I said the one thing the Pistons can't do is get swept. They went out and got swept. Well, they are on their way to basically not even making the playoffs once again. And middle of the evening on Monday, this thing just started kind of fluttering out there on Twitter and on Facebook and all over social media that the Pistons were interested in trading for Blake Griffin. The Blake Griffin who just signed a five-year, hundred-plus million-dollar contract with the Los Angeles Lakers roommates, the Los Angeles Clippers. I thought this was a joke. I thought somebody was out here getting head faked by some phony Twitter handle that you guys never can seem to figure out are the real ones and the fake ones. Look for the damn blue check mark. You know, like the one next to my name, at J. Scott Smith. Original. But funny thing is, this was legit. The Pistons actually traded Tobias Harris, Adrian Bradley, excuse me, Avery Bradley. I don't know who the hell Adrian Bradley is. Maybe I was thinking of Adrian Dantley. They traded Tobias Harris, Avery Bradley, who they just picked up in a trade before the start of this season, along with a first and second round draft pick for Blake Griffin and two dudes whose names we won't really need to worry about. Blake Griffin, the oft-injured superstar, quote-unquote, from the Clippers. He was one of the Lob City trio along with Chris Paul and DeAndre Jordan. Chris Paul, as you know, is now with the Houston Rockets, and DeAndre Jordan is all by his lonesome in L.A. So Blake Griffin was shipped to the Pistons, having been signed to that mega deal. The Clippers made such a pitch to keep Blake Griffin during the offseason last year that they gave him this big grandiose program, brought him up to a suite, piped in music, and actually raised a banner with his number into the Staples Center rafters. You have to understand, the Staples Center rafters are literally nothing but a shrine to the Lakers. There ain't no Clippers numbers retired, B. None. Hell, Bob McAdoo played for the Clippers and was one of their biggest stars, but they were the Buffalo Braves. He ended up winning a championship with the Lakers, go figure, but that was like the biggest name one you can think of for the LA Clippers. The Clippers have had nothing. So Blake Griffin with that pesky, annoying Chris Paul out of here to Houston thought he had the whole place to himself, and then he got hurt almost instantly to start the season. Well, now he's a Piston. And the Pistons made this trade not because they honestly thought they are going to suddenly challenge for the East. Look, as ridiculous as the Cavaliers are, as much of a mess as they are, and they're a bigger mess now than they have been in recent years. And they're third in the East right now. They're behind both Boston and, shockingly, Toronto. 
So they're, they're kind of just lingering in the background right now. But the thing about the Cavaliers is we all know that the Pistons have zero shot of chasing them down. This was not meant to suddenly get them into the championship hunt. They're nowhere near that. If anything, at best, this is a lateral move because you bring in Blake Griffin. Yeah, you pair him up with Andre Drummond, who statistically is having one of his best years ever, but he still has not managed to find a post move. And I mean anything. Just go on Amazon and get a post move, big fella. Go go out, go out hunting in the forest like the Legend of Zelda and find yourself a post move. This dude don't have no post moves, and he's out here going 24 and 24. If he had a post move, he'd, be, he'd basically be Anthony Davis. But he ain't got nothing. And he's somebody who has to have the ball in his hands to be productive. He's not somebody you can run plays for because he doesn't have a whole lot of, you know, offensive acumen other than catch ball, dunk ball, put ball back in. That's his thing. He can't even post you up from about four or five feet out, turn, hit you with a hook. That's not his routine. Blake Griffin, yeah, he can put the ball on the floor. He can also dish. He can do all that. He's going to have to. Because the Pistons ain't got a point guard right now. I'm sorry, Ish Smith. You're not, you're not Chris Paul. Pistons ain't got a point guard. They just got rid of their two best scorers to bring this guy in. This is a lateral move at best. What this is about, and it was talked about in the Detroit Free Press as well, what this Blake Griffin trade is all about is the Pistons desperately trying to give the appearance that they're relevant. They want to give the appearance that they're trying to win. They want to give the appearance that they're trying to make a move forward. Because whether it's out of Tom Gorris, the Pistons owner, whether it's out of Tom Gorris's ignorance of the game altogether, or Stan Van Gundy desperately trying to keep his job and trying to prove this ridiculous point that you don't need to tank to get better in the NBA, despite the fact that the Pistons are in salary cap hell, and you tie that into the fact that Detroit is not exactly a prime free agent market right now because the Pistons ain't been no good for a decade, suddenly you're in a bit of a bind because I don't know whether it's Gorris who made this call or whether it's Van Gundy or both of them, but they still seem to think that making the playoffs is all you need to do. It's almost like they're taking a page out of the Lions book. All we got to do is get to the playoffs and these fans will be happy because then we'll get playoff experience, which is total BS. Playoff experience means nothing. How much did that playoff experience two years mean to the Pistons? They went back out there and lost 50 games last year. So playoff experience means bupkis. What this is about is the Pistons are just hungry, starving, parched, looking for relevance, looking for some reason for people to give a damn. They're in the rare position. Well, they and the Red Wings are in the rare position. I've never seen a brand new state-of-the-art arena that could not sell out. And I mean even with bad teams. And hell, there are two bad teams in that building. When the Tigers got into Comerica Park, they sold out a fair amount of games, especially early. They sold out some games. The Lions were awful when they moved into Ford Field from the Silverdome in 2002. They had nothing but sellouts for six years. It wasn't until the 2008-0-16 season before they finally stopped selling out. And then they started selling right back out the next year. The Pistons are, as I've mentioned time and time again, the Pistons are the basketball equivalent of a C-. And bringing in some high-flying ginger who gets hurt every two months 
is not going to bring that grade up to anything higher than just a straight C. That's what they are. But you want to know the real fun part of all this? Not even that the Pistons basically made a desperation trade, that Stan Van Gundy heard the footsteps of his ass about to get fired and was able to get the one owner who would sign off on a deal this stupid to actually sign off on it and maybe have bought himself a couple of extra months if the Pistons somehow, some way, back into a playoff spot if Joel Embiid gets hurt again. The fun part of this is that story about how Blake Griffin was re-signed with the Clippers how Blake Griffin was able to basically talk his way into a big big money deal because he had all the leverage in the world to be able to do something, whether it's stay with the Clippers or get out of L.A. and go to another city. He was a free agent. And you know what I love to talk about when it comes to the NBA. You know what I love to talk about. You know I like going at you fools who talk that loyalty that loyalty garbage. You know I like going at y'all fools who talk that loyalty bullshit. You know I do. Blake Griffin was loyal to a franchise. He could have gone anywhere and probably gotten paid more money. But he decided to be, quote, loyal. He let that franchise that drafted him whine him, dine him, lie to him, run a fake retired jersey into the Staples Center rafters. Do you really think your number's getting retired with the Clippers, bro? They let him, they led him to believe that he was their guy, their franchise player. Five-year deal. Signed him. Kept him. That's loyalty. That's what I heard. It's loyalty. That's what happens when you're loyal. You're not like that lazy Kevin Durant. Yeah, I've seen that too. Yeah, nothing quite says lazy than a guy who averages 30 in the NBA Finals and almost single-handedly takes a team of studs and makes them even studlier to an NBA title. Yeah, that's lazy. He don't work. But it's this idea of loyalty. He was loyal. He was loyal to his team. You want to know what that loyalty got him? It got his ass shipped to Detroit in the middle of the winter, and he had to find out about the damn trade the same way I found out about the damn trade on friggin' Twitter from Adrian Wojnarowski. Really? So you want me to understand? Let me understand this real quickly. This brother was probably somewhere in L.A. getting his car washed, getting a massage, getting a mani-pedi, whatever the hell it is y'all do in Cali. I got to ask Adrian Lawrence, what the hell do y'all do in California all day? It's it's nice 80% of the damn year anyway. What the hell are you doing out there in the middle of January when everybody else is freezing their ass off in the other two-thirds of the country? But... This cat is out there minding his own business, living ghetto fabulous, and all of a sudden, his Twitter mentions get to exploding, and he's like, what the hell's going on here? Turns out the team that whined you, dined you, lied to you, and told you that they were going to retire your goddamn jersey at the end of your goddamn career just traded you to friggin' Siberia. I can say that about Detroit. I lived in that city most of my life. I know what it's like out there right now. Look, man, I love the city of Detroit. That's home to me, but if I didn't grow up in Detroit, ain't no way in hell I'm taking my ass out there in January. That's what happened to Blake Griffin. And that was the message that I have been pointing out to you fools all this time. When y'all sit here and get pissed off at Kevin Durant. This is the start of Black History Month. This is the first show of the month of February. And I often hear... 
with some validity to it, mind you, that I often hear owners of pro sports teams, particularly owners in the NBA and NFL, referred to almost like slave owners. How dare you treat these players like slaves? It's like slavery. I always kind of, I always kind of cringe at that because these these dudes do get paid copious amounts of money. They get they get paid buku bucks to play pro basketball. So they ain't slaves in that sense. But there's this idea that once these guys are drafted by a team, they are not to go anywhere. Even if they become free agents, you are supposed to sign with the team. You're supposed to stay with the team that drafted you or go to a worse team or go to a team that's on the same level. But don't you dare try to posse up and go to a good one because we'll stop watching the NBA because we don't like super teams. How many times did I have to say in earlier episodes? Episode 42 might have been the last when I said this. How often have I had to say this? The NBA has always been haves and have-nots. They ain't never been fair and equitable. Never. There's been 12 NBA champions since 1980. 12! That's damn near 40 years you've had 12 and at least five or six teams have at least three championships. The Lakers, the Celtics, the Pistons, the Bulls, the Spurs. Miami has two. No, Miami has three also. Dallas got one. Golden State got two, should have three. Cleveland even got one. Cleveland is like the anomaly in that whole group, but they had LeBron. It's always been the haves and the have-nots in the NBA. So quit your bitching about that. I get a kick out of today because the big rumor is that LeBron James would be open to meeting with the Warriors. And why the hell shouldn't he? If Cleveland doesn't win that NBA title this year, and uh, spoiler alert, they're probably not, I wouldn't blame that dude for getting his ass up and at least sniffing around the bay. At least thinking about it. He'd be a damn fool not to do it. And I I keep bringing that point up. Y'all sit here telling these boys to be loyal. Be loyal. Just be loyal to where you came from. Be loyal. You don't have to posse up and create a super team. Be loyal and stay true to where you are. Struggle and suffer. and, And one day you'll get there. You can earn it the hard way. F that. Blake Griffin found out what the price of loyalty is. The Clippers signed him to that big-ass contract, and just like Bret Hart got signed to that contract in WWF in 1996, and Vince McMahon immediately regretted it by about late 96 into early 97, they had to figure out a way to get him the hell out of there. But unlike Bret, who was able to force his way out and get a better deal, Blake Griffin got traded in the middle of the damn day to, to Detroit. He got shipped from the Clippers, who, mind you, ain't exactly that good to begin with, but at least you're in Los Angeles. You get shipped out of L.A. where it's 70-some-odd degrees in mid-January to Detroit, where the day he arrived, it was about 22 degrees outside. Are you friggin' kidding me? Blake Griffin is a Piston. Not really really sure what to make of it, because the Pistons ain't any good anyhow. Best-case scenario is they end up in the playoffs as an eighth seed. Congratulations. Here's Boston. Take that green foot up your ass. And, oh, well, you could end up in the lottery, but wait, you know, you traded that lottery pick to the Clippers for Blake Griffin because it's a toxic combination of the Clippers being being a-holes for shipping this guy out without as much as even kind of giving him a heads up and the Pistons being so desperate to just be relevant rather than actually, you want to know, build a team and win, but they want to be relevant. They want to make the playoffs So damn bad for what? To make it look like they're winning? You know what's a lot easier to do? Actually build a winning team than just put up the facade of being some phony winning quote-unquote team. We're we're, we're committed to winning. You're three games under 500. You've had one winning season in 10 years. Committed to winning. 
You need to be committed to an insane asylum if you think that the Pistons are any good and are going to do anything other than be at best a 500 team by the end of the year. And like I said, being 500 and being average will get you average results. And average results are going to be an ass kicking at the hands of either Boston or Cleveland in round one of the damn playoffs. That's not winning. That's lame. That's lame. Aver- you, you, if you give average effort, you get average results. I would almost rather they do what the 76ers did and just basically crash and burn for a couple of years because their, their cap space is just basically shot to hell. They don't have any real up-and-coming young talent because every good piece of young talent that runs in front of them in the draft, they bypass that guy to go get some project that they try to build up. It makes no sense. So the Pistons are in this position right now where they basically are so desperate to be seen as relevant. They trade for Blake Griffin with no real backup plan other than just, here's Blake Griffin. Now we're going to sell out. We're going to look like winners. You might look like winners, but overall, you're still playing like losers. And quit being loyal. NBA players, NFL players, Major League Baseball players, you don't owe these franchises a damn thing once you hit free agency. And to you you zipperhead fans who don't quite get that, they don't owe these teams a damn thing. I hope Bron does go to the Warriors just so he can make NBA Twitter explode. I I hope he does. I hope they figure out a way to finagle to get all of them without having to get rid of Clay, without having to get rid of Livingston or Iguodala. Just put the whole damn thing together. It would just be like the bloated version of the NWO from 1998. Just put the whole damn thing together and let all of the fake tough guy NBA Twitter just lose their damn head. I would get a kick out of that, to be honest with you, because this is what happens. You saw what happens with loyalty. I said it in the Kevin Durant episode. Durant was on the trade block for a hot second when he was in Oklahoma City. You'd rather that Durant stay quote unquote loyal. So what? He can get shipped out to Minnesota halfway through a season or get shipped to Orlando or get shipped over to Utah or Detroit. Or right now, the Bulls. I would say New Orleans, but New Orleans wasn't too bad until Boogie got hurt. What do you do? Ship his ass. Ship his ass where? To the Nets? <laughs> to Atlanta? That's what being loyal gets you. Being loyal gets you booted the second things go halfway sideways. Get out of here with that. I'm telling you, they out here running scams on, the, on you fools with this loyalty BS. But you know who's not running scams? It's my man, Rufio Jones. I mentioned... I had something special for you guys at the end of this show. Well, as you hear the music underneath you, we're heading home. But I want to throw this in. My man, Rufio Jones, who still hosts the show on YouTube called Allow Me, where basically he tries different kinds of food so you don't have to. The next time my ass is back in Michigan, I got sick at the end of December, and that's why I wasn't able to do it with him then. I will be on there making my YouTube debut, eating God knows what, with Rufio Jones. But Ruf Jones is also a really dope rapper. And, of course, he's one-third of Detroit City. That's C-Y-D-I. Can you dig it? A second part of Detroit City is Doc Illingsworth. Of course, my man Sean Uppercut is the third. He's the third man, damn it. I think I consider him to be Scott Hall in that group. But he's the third man, damn it. But Ruth Jones decided to release a new track with the help of Doc Illingsworth. And it's called Nigerian King because why not at the start of Black History Month? My name is J. Scott Smith telling you to take care of yourself. 
God bless. Always dare to be different. Always have your pets spayed or neutered. Remember to adopt and not buy. And we are out of here. I hope you all have a wonderful rest of your week. Take care of yourselves out there and enjoy Nigerian King from a man, Ruth Jones. Be sure to enjoy the show at wherever your favorite podcast provider is. Don't forget to give me a five-star review, and I will see you next week. Goodbye, everybody. Check it out. This is JSC Radio. For a Black Panther product placement, it's not disgraceful when you do the shit with Charm and Grace. Get a 15% take and you're shameless. Send my payment in a lump sum before it's Marvel vs. Capcom. Rufio Jones is beautiful, Joe. Hit fast forward, I won. Y'all got more else than Cool James. My favorite color is red rum. I'll rock them, sock them, you little lanes with an uppercut get your head from. Dog, hold up. This is way beyond pyramid. This is more like a sphinx scheme. New millennium beast thing. Dog, hold up. My mask is a taskbar. Sign up for my maid service. Get your check and account clean. Dog, hold up. You know that you can trust me? Just go look at my profile. I'm a virile female white teen. I'm a white Dog, girl. hold up. On the phone with your grandma. Say, I got robbed in the sandstorm. Like, can you send me like 5000 please? Yeah, but now I'm eating like a king. And the internet will let me be any fucking thing. Fucking I can make you richer than you ever dreamed. Send your bank I'm a Nigerian king, yeah. Goes to me first. It's not as shady as it seems. Cause the internet will let me beat any fucking thing. Anything. I can make you richer than you ever dreamed. Send your bank information. I'm a Nigerian king. about that five-year-old who found his uncle's gun. The kid didn't know it was loaded. 
I heard on the news about that 14-year-old girl who was bullied online. For like a year, she couldn't take it anymore, so she got her dad's gun from his nightstand. I heard on the news about that guy who broke into someone's house, stole a gun from the hall closet. He accidentally shot his cousin in the head. She killed herself. And later, killed the owner of the store he was trying to rob. If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it, be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children, troubled teenagers, a thief, or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council.